who thought it was a good idea to have a human asshole so close to raw fish? <laughs> Rich people. They can afford insurance. They've got medical care. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you show your boundless, unending wealth is like, no ailment can harm me. Yes. No weapon forged by the hands of man can prosper against me. No. Sell Manila more like I'm rich. I don't know. <laughs> What's going on, guys? It's on fire tonight with Josh and Tressa. We got extra sound effects in the studio today for Tressa's birthday. Lasers, lasers, lasers. Fuck yeah, this is a, I'm taking a naked laser shower as we speak. It's amazing and I've never felt so clean. Yeah, I'd feel a lot more comfortable if you put your clothes back on, Josh. I will not do that. All right, thank you. Not like you can see anything, it's all lasers from, from your perspective. <laughs> That's right. You look just, you're just like a beam of light right now. Like you usually are, <laughs> but visually. Josh, today we're going to talk about Max Headroom Season 1, Episode 2. If you haven't watched it yet, it's a great show. Watch it because we're about to spoil it in this conversation. You've been warned. It is a product of its time and just know that going in. It's sci-fi made in the 80s and it looks forward at technology that did not exist then but does today, mm -hmm. and it embraces certain aesthetic principles of its time in the 80s, but also they were drawing on, there's a very specific type of dystopian future that we'd already seen in other movies. Brazil, we mentioned last episode, the original Terminator, when you see oh, yeah. like, you know, the few images of the hellacious world of the future, like they're really drawing on that as much as anything in this show. Anything with homeless camps, like, ooh, they live, or like uh, the Bella totally. riots in totally. DS9. It's just uh, not a great, fun, super duper future. Right, but of course we should talk about the OG, like, that all of that comes from. I don't think I'm speaking out of school when I say that the original aesthetic for that dystopian future comes from a TV commercial for laser tag. Do you remember like there was the first ad for laser tag? I, I'm joking, it's not. Like, <laughs> like laser tag was obviously ripping off that other stuff. But do you remember that ad that was like, oh. a, a, like a dystopian hellscape and people were shooting lasers at each other? And oh my God, they're advertising this game that you can go play? Was it for like a place you go or was it for the at home Nerf gun type thing? It was like, Okay, so as far as I know, it was just for the at-home Nerf gun type thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with lasers that you could buy yourself at Toys R Us back when Toys R Us existed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Possibly there were like arena type places that were already being set up in other parts of the country that I just didn't know about or anything. Yeah, I mean, the laser, at-home lasers, so expensive. Oh my God, yeah. totally. And it's literally tag. <laughs> The, but in the, the future, you idiot. The most free game that exists. <laughs> yeah, you don't need accessories for that. Yeah, if you add laser <laughs> to anything that already exists, 
you can sell it mm-hmm. in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Have you sure. ever played laser poker? <laughs> the stakes are just as high. Uh, aren't they higher, though, Josh? I'm pretty sure. The way they presented the ad for laser tag, it was like there was this arena with these laser guns and, you know, mm. the little thing bra. on your chest. Not a bra. <laughs> it was like a laser thing. So laser like when bra? you got hit, it would tell you like, pew, pew, you got hit. Okay, so everything that you just said is completely true, Josh. However, when I say it's a product of its time, I'm talking about how creepy the dudes are to women and the creepy jokes that gets told. It sucks, but it's a product of its time, so I'm not going to lay into it. Oh, also, like, just some casual racism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God, that one took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting that. We're going to uh, maybe just glaze over that or are we yeah. going to dig mm-hmm. into that? No, we like, can well, I, I don't know what the right thing to do is. Hey, if you're curious, go watch the episode two of season one and you'll see it as soon as it shows up. Yeah. Okay. So let's dig in. Let's Tell me, what'd it, you think? So fun. Right underneath fake drugs in shows is mm-hmm. fake sports that are for really cool people. And boy, was only like those in the know know about (laughs) this was one of those in spades. I'm super duper into it. It also reminds me of uh, I don't advise anyone go watch this, but there's an episode of Baywatch Nights (laughs) that has a gang of criminal rollerbladers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, They're so mad at the world. And it's like there are like yeah they have they all have helmets they're all like <laughs> just like rich suburban white kids Knee which pads. I guess is the most realistic thing mm, but yeah. then also like there are explosions around them for no reason which is most most wonderful you know but what definitely not worth your time it, it really sounds like it is though you always say this about Baywatch nights and you're really selling it I know you're not trying to. I mean, look, it's um, it's just a super weird show that, like, it seems like everything about it was made by committee and nobody made a final decision even once something was, like, already on the air. Like, all right, this show is about a detective agency. Great. Or what if... Okay. <laughs> uh, maybe it's a paranormal mm-hmm. show. Oh, but sounds But it's still fun. a detective agency. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and also on top of mm-hmm. that, like... Mitch, that's David Hasselhoff's sure, character. Of course. We've established him as a superstar already. Uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's got tons of contacts from his years of lifeguarding that he can lean on. Um, okay, so I have a question before we get started here. Do lifeguards make a lot of connections in their lifetime? Mitch did. All right. Yeah. Enough said. Let's do this. <clears throat> Green light. Yeah. Um, all right, so... Back to season one, episode two, Rakers, Max Hedrum. As always, it takes place 20 minutes into the future. From right now or when it was shot is the question. Don't ask questions, Tressa. All right. (laughs) Don't ask questions like that. It's 20 minutes into the future, according to the title that was made back in the 80s. Yeah. It opens with static. It's like... We're in the, like, the very first thing is is static from a TV screen 
we see like a dystopian homeless camp a la Terminator. There's like barrel fires and a lot of TV screens, which is just the way homeless camps are in the future. There's just yeah. TV everywhere. So many extension cords. <laughs> There's um a woman who's like in deep cover. Who, yeah. Like I, I actually still don't understand who she was or what the point was about her. No, because she wasn't the first one to be like, oh, they just passed me. There's no one following them. They're coming up to you. And then another person did the same thing, and that was the end of it. Yeah, so there's like spies or something, deep cover agents of some kind in the homeless camp that might not be a homeless camp. It's a little bit confusing. A young punk with a skateboard talks to Max Headroom, who appears on the TV screen in the camp. Max, throughout this episode, is simultaneously social commentary and he's an outsider in our world so even though he has all of the knowledge and experience of edison carter he is kind of stupid he's kind of stupid in some ways he lives inside a tv and he doesn't understand that some things on tv are news and some things are entertainment so he keeps seeing images of a character that we'll later learn is named Missile Mike, just shooting a machine gun. And it's just like a muscle 80s guy in camo just shooting a machine gun forever. And it's the same shot every time. <laughs> and it's just him just fucking unloading endless ammo. We learned that it is a children's show, and I would watch the fuck out of that show. It's a very house. popular children's yeah. show on Network 23. <laughs> Fantastic. Anyway... That's not what we're dealing with right now, but Max is still confused about this, all this violence on the TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We see inside the building that borders the uh, dystopian camp. It's a coliseum of sorts. It's an old warehouse with peeling paint. And there's you know what tons it is? of. What is it? It's Skateboard Thunderdome. It's totally Skateboard Thunderdome. Yeah. Yeah. We see skate punks, and there's just levels of audience watching and placing bets on this underground sport called raking we see the head of sports for network 23 some promoters for raking who are like some scummy boxing promoter types but in the future yeah they're stereotypical like mob dudes they're total mob dudes chomping on cigars Uh yeah and like taking advantage of the athletes the athletes in this case are uh punk skateboarder types in a blood sport on souped up skateboards with lawnmower engines guess what here's the thing yeah this could be a very commercial property it could even (laughs) be bigger than scumball no i don't even believe that that's crazy how could it even get that big scumball no way we don't get to see a scumball game played but they talk or about meet it any of the players that I that I remember from this episode. But there's a lot of talk about the popularity of the sport. Yeah, yeah. One guy, I think he's coming up. He's an arson, and he keeps burning down these federal buildings or bureaucratic buildings. The police the bureau burner. Yeah, the police. That's another thing that's just in the news. Yeah, he's burning down tax offices. Yeah. He gets lost by the cops in a scumball crowd. Because it's so popular that he just got lost in the crowd. The rest of the world loves soccer and calls it football. Um, And so that's kind of what I'm picturing. Scumball is some sort of like 
dystopian future soccer. What do you think scumball is? Do you know the original meaning of scumbag? A used condom? Mm -hmm. So let's... Scum is, scum yeah, is exactly. many things. First it of all... It wasn't at first. I'm saying maybe it's pornography. You think scumball, <laughs> which is identified as a sport. Uh-huh. Yes. It's the future. 20 minutes. 20 minutes into the future. It's gay porn. Scum. Gay porn. Yeah. Ball. It's not like scum split. <laughs> God. Let's continue, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this is not where I expected the conversation to go at all. <laughs> I'm totally joking. I don't think it's <laughs> porn, but... <laughs> okay so back at edison carter's amazing futuristic gigantic apartment yeah he and the helicopter pilot martinez are drinking a beer and just watching missile mike <laughs> which we don't which we didn't know at this point is children's tv yeah 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 <laughs> it's that's like a, a funny twist <laughs> Yeah, that we only get at the end. So back at Control, Theora and Murray have nothing to do, even though there's like presumably scumball games and who knows what the Bureau Burner is up to now. Mm. But they have nothing to do. And Murray's like, it's quieter than a grave. <gasps> yeah. And he's like, I'm going to go get some coffee. You want anything? And wanders off. And then so Theora's sitting at her terminal and part of what's going on is like a report from Edison and the bite that we hear is in the fringes people eat what they can catch <laughs> this was an underlying theme as well yeah for sure yeah, yeah. there's like everything in the future is dark <laughs> and disgusting yeah I mean it depends on what your opinion of potential scumball games is <laughs> on what like how disgusting and whether or not it's disgusting that's up to you anyway theora gets a call that's right it's winnie her sister-in-law kind of i guess winnie is very upset we need help she puts it on a private line which is like a thing that she has to have hacker skills to do it seems but it doesn't even work does it well I think that, like, the latter part of the conversation was then private, but sort of the beginning of it is, like, housed in the data bank. Sure, 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 sure. So Winnie's like, Sean, Theora's brother, is in trouble. We need help. And he doesn't want me to call you. And please, he's going to be in so much trouble. And also, he's right there and makes her hang up. <laughs> So, like, you're sort of doing a good job of, like, alerting a responsible type, not exactly authority figure. But, but like, he's just standing there individual. the whole time? Yeah. He's inches away from the screen while she's calling. <laughs> it almost seems like they're trying to set up Theora for, like, some kind of trap. Seriously. Theora's like, well, I got to take care of this. And she is a responsible employee, so she finds a replacement for her job. And she goes to find out what's going on. Yeah, some mulleted dude named David sits at her <laughs> Fucking terminal. David, dude. Anyway, we cut over and we see Murray. He's talking like Max has appeared where Murray is. And Max is still, he's on about that guy with the machine gun. Like, is anyone doing anything about the machine gun guy? Uh -huh. Murray marvels that because Max lives in a TV, he thinks all TV is real or 
everything is TV or I'm not really sure how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's breaking news. I think it might have been about the bureau burner. And Murray tries to contact Carter. But at Theora's station, there's no Theora. There's what? just this fucking mullet guy. <laughs> fucking David. Theora goes to Sean, her brother's house. And she's like, Winnie, where's my brother? Where's my American brother? And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, we le- we later learned that they were orphans who were separated and adopted independently. Right. Because I guess uh, most people would rather adopt an adorable girl. Gross. That, that was the thing she said. Mm-hmm. Presumably, Theora grew up eating marmalade. Yeah. She's one of those British people that has that accent that we don't really know what it is, but we know it means she's rich and fancy, but we don't know how. So Winnie's like, oh, he's at the raking game. Fiora's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. We cut. And Winnie does not explain. And then we see Sean in his half shirt. Oh, also half shirt and every single one of those raking people, sweatpants or cut off sweatpants, with a thong over it. So it's like you get the butt crease and a uh-huh. job strap. Great. Love it. And and knee pads over the sweatpants. Yeah. And they then great. they have these like helmet sort they're sort of like like a boxer would wear for sparring, yeah. except they have like punk studs, <laughs> like spiky studs all around them. Uh-huh. So it, it's you know, it's supposed to uh show that it's a a gladiator blood sport type thing. They they put on the spiked gauntlet type things, you know which what? is a big part of raking. It's exactly what skateboarding and American Gladiator combined should look like is what it is. Yeah. Last episode, we talked about American Gladiator. <laughs> and then this episode, we're basically watching skateboard American Gladiator. Absolutely. So these guys, they drop into what is basically a pool. Yeah, it's a pool. It's a pool, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of like they have a couple of different shaped ramps, but it's it's more or less a pool type situation. Yeah for them and there's a little bit of flat in the middle so that like they can pass each other and swipe their gauntlets i want to talk about how spoiled we are with tv and movies today and fight scenes because fight scenes in the 80s blew they Mm. were so bad like the one in the last episode terrible the one in this one it's like you're not it's true uh because of i think that it's the rise in popularity of like really great movies that came out of hong kong during the golden age of hong kong movies fight choreography has become a wonderful art in hollywood and it was it was rare for it to be a good thing until like just you know the past 20 years yeah yeah so people get swiped and fall down and they are grievously injured in this game they also have like knives like freddy krueger gloves right and i think they might even have sort of like wolverine type mini claws coming out from their knuckles probably maybe or maybe maybe i was just i mean that's the foundation of raking that we know that's true Mm -hmm. we learn just a snippet that winnie tells theora that Sean did it because they need the money, obviously, for their baby. Right, there's a baby. There's some hot raking action. <laughs> yep. The uh, so many Sean's opponent rakes him, uh-huh. and we see the network sports guy, the top some dude from the Zigzag Corporation, yeah. 
And the promoter guys just fucking losing their mind, excited about the potential of this new blood sport. So exciting. It's going to be bigger than Scumball. I guarantee it. Back to your theory about Scumball being <laughs> gay porn. Uh-huh. Are there teams? Is it a one-on-one -on -one thing? How does Scumball work? It, you know what? It's open to interpretation. It's whatever you want it to be and more. It's like... Um... This is a very evasive answer, Tressa. Because <laughs> I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Back to the control room. We overhear a little snippet of news about the tax office being torched. They think that the bureau burner is angry about the new TV tax. Her whole report is full of fucking puns. The heat is on. He's really holding out a torch for that guy. I loved it. It's decades later and I still love it. So I believe that Carter and Martinez were sent off to the wrong place to cover this arsonist story because Murray is... Fuck up that he is. <sighs> But he was trying to do Theora's work for her. And mm -hmm. I mean, he doesn't know how the. He's new, a little rusty. Uh, yeah, he doesn't know how the technology currently works. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, it just also goes to show you, Theora is great at her job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But Murray's pissed. And he's like, uh, if she does show up again, she's fired. Fuck that bitch. Yeah, or suspended. I don't know. I'm already backtracking in the middle of this conversation. <laughs> Whatever you say, Carter, I love you. Yeah. Also, he's like, we still need a feature for this week's show. Like, like that's my fault. Right, dude. Like, don't those decisions get made above? <laughs> like, who makes the decision for the feature? Apparently, like, Carter has to show up at, like, dawn and Not fucking me. come up with something. Yeah, choose from the four things on the list on the computer. Either the guy that can recite all of Shakespeare or... <laughs> We're in Bryce's office place. But wait, to be clear, uh -huh. yeah. Carter is like, no, I want Theora back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He loves her. Oh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll toss her a teddy bear if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Carter goes to visit Bryce in his office place. And Max wants to know. As Carter leaves. Uh-huh. Max appears to Murray again on screen, and he's like, you know, if he had guns like that other guy, no one could touch him. Max pops into the conversation with Bryce and Carter, and he's like, something needs to be done about this missile, Mike. What's going on? What's he doesn't that? know the name yet. He's just like, something right, needs right, right. to be done about that maniac with a gun. Yeah, like, what the fuck? He's killing everyone. Hundreds of people <laughs> in five minutes. So many explosions. They don't even pay attention to him. No, they're like, shut up, you idiot. Carter needs Bryce to track Fiora, and Bryce tells him to consult the data bank. So apparently there's like some sort of master data bank of everyone's movements at all time and you can consult it. Unfortunately, there's a lot of paperwork and bureaucracy involved. <laughs> and Carter's like, I'm not going to do all that paperwork. They need like a lot of personal information. Mm -hmm. And then Max, he just instantly hacks the system oh, right. and gets the tape. And that's how we see the call from Winnie. He's like, all right, so Bryce, get me the personnel file. And Bryce is like, the personnel file is even higher classified status. And he's like, well, you didn't even get me that thing. So like, do it. <laughs> and I guess Bryce just is easily motivated that way. Yeah. Yeah. You can't call him an idiot because then he'll get mad and do it. So Carter gets all this information that 
Fiora has a brother whose occupation is a busboy, according to the computer. So he's like, cool, I'm going to go to this restaurant. And Max is like, why does he even care about that lady anyway? And Bryce is like, I don't know, I guess he's fond of her. And then Max (sighs) asks, is fond the same as fondle? Dude. (laughs) And Bryce thinks about it and says, how should I know? I'm a stupid kid. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm like... Maybe the smartest person on the planet when it comes to certain things, but I'm just a dumb kid in other respects. You know, he's book smart, not street smart, wink. So Theora goes to the restaurant where her brother had worked, Mm -hmm. learns that he was fired. Because he was always off raking. Yeah, the like, the tuxedo wearing maitre d' is like, that kid was always off raking. How does he know about it and nobody else does? Right. And also, he won't answer questions either. Like, he'll just drop it in a conversation. But then, like, why won't you just explain it? No, go away. What? Are you worried that the raking mafia is going to come after you for shooting off your mouth? I guess maybe the raking mafia is a real thing. Yeah. boxing promoter dudes or whatever. Maybe that's how he knows about raking. Because they come to his fancy restaurant. Carter walks into the same restaurant, says something questionable, and they go and have a drink. And... Right. And the decor uh-huh. of this restaurant slash lounge yeah, yeah, yeah. is brightly lit, totally 80s barf me to the max. Absolutely. And there are people standing on like tables or some sort of platform just standing as if they are living statues because it's the future. But also the 80s back when like, and I guess this is still a thing. Rich people who are assholes are like, how do I show my wealth in a way? Yes. I'll just, I will have like a human being be a statue for the evening. Or a platter for sushi. Right. A platter for sushi. A naked woman will be a platter for sushi. We'll all enjoy that. Absolutely. I'm going to do jalapeno poppers next time. Who thought it was a good idea to have a human asshole so close to raw fish? (laughs) Rich people. They can afford insurance. They've got medical care. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you show your boundless, unending wealth is like no ailment can harm me. No weapon forged by the hands of man can prosper against me. No. Salmonella, more like, I'm rich. I don't know. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Anyway, there yeah. there are no naked human being platters at this restaurant, but no. there are statues. And, you know, it's like you see in cities around the world, one form of busking is being like a human statue for like a minute at a time or whatever. People put money in your thing and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's a time-honored tradition. Absolutely. It goes back all the way back. I mean, it probably existed in Roman times. Oh, You know what I mean? Like totally. Pose for me. Yes. They had Um, But certainly like before they had um, film, you know, Tableau Vivant was a big thing and Tableau Vivant was like, Maybe it's a party game as much as like an entertainment, but people would stage famous paintings. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Sort of. Doesn't I mean honestly it doesn't sound that fun. No, but it'd be fun or to rewarding. See but like, if it was accurate and well done, it'd be fun to look at, I guess. Whatever. Josh, shut up. Uh well now they have a thing that's like so here's the thing, right? Like the original painting is like 
the biggest you know deal in the world because like back then when like a famous painter came out with a new work of art that was like a new lord of the rings movie drama. oh yeah for sure so then having you and your friends or i guess maybe if you were rich your house servants and whatever recreate that painting that was like an immersive experience into the world of the painting and now there's a thing that's been going on with like famous artists and historical stuff where they have like immersive experiences of like Van Gogh or like King Tut. And it seems like the weirdest abstraction to me because what they do, if I understand correctly, I haven't actually been to one. Instead of seeing the real art which exists, it's like you go into a room with giant video screens where you see like super oh. zoomed in close-ups of things, but that are like massive. I know what you're talking about. They did that with Van Gogh, and yeah. I think there was something about Prince that did that. And oh, maybe. Like, yeah. But doesn't it seem weird? It's like, don't go to a museum. No. Go to this, like, giant wall of video screens. I mean, yeah, it seems like some rich people bullshit. Like, it costs like $50 for 10 minutes, maybe more. I don't know. But, like, it's like a 10-minute experience, and you're paying out the ass for it, and it's just video feed Shut the also there are like multiple competing versions mm -hmm. like apparently there are like a bunch of different van gogh ones that are sometimes touring oh, in the shit. same city at the same time oh, i want to see so that like, game more well it's just like oh we're gonna make plans to go see a thing oh you got tickets to that one i got tickets to this one i guess we won't see each other <laughs> what a loser i can't believe you're seeing that van gogh experience <laughs> Uh, how very poor <gasps> okay so back to the show back to the show they yeah, sit yeah, yeah. down at a table and we see some very futuristic for then but actually totally real shit of today mm -hmm. and I think actually now that you say that because I wasn't really thinking about it at the time it he, was blowing my mind it was he, <laughs> he orders drinks for them a uh uh, a scotch with ice and an Oreo blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say an Oreo blizzard. He should. Oh. He said a blizzard. But the thing that I just thought of is at my <laughs> DQ in Omaha, they had little TVs like that. And I don't think you could order, but like you could watch them. And it looked exactly like that little TV. But yeah. So she got an Oreo blizzard and they had a nice time. <laughs> Right. So, but okay. So when they sit down, he waves like something that looks more or less like a pen mm -hmm. at the screen. And then the screen comes to life and t asks for their order. He just says their order out loud. Yeah. And, and But this was in the 80s. This was yeah, yeah. decades before you could wave a physical object at another thing and it would identify who you were and like know to like take money from your account or, yeah. or whatever. And... And like being able to like speak to a computer and have it know you and whatever. And also just being able to order a scotch with ice and a blizzard. I mean, that's the dream. But Fiora also paid for a Carter's body with one of those pens too. Oh my God. I didn't even, I you took it for even, granted. Were you even watching yesterday's episode? I think I was spending, I, you know what? Like this time I paused a lot more to take notes so that yeah. I wouldn't miss as much. I tried not to, I was in a hurry. I know it's hard. There's a lot of good stuff. I know. So he's like, so what's up? What's going on with your brother? Blah, blah. Yeah, you didn't even tell me you had a brother. Uh, Murray's mad at you. And she's like, I don't care about Murray. 
which man bold you don't care what your boss thinks <laughs> bruh and he's like if you think i'm here because of your job you're damn wrong yeah he's not just there for business it's also because he loves her and like literally cue the violins yeah there's an exchange of glances yeah meaningful looks yeah Elsewhere in this very same lounge, there is a meeting going on over cocktails with corporate dudes, government honchos, and they're discussing raking on Network 23 and that the ZigZag Corporation will be investing heavily and they need to get it through Congress to legalize it. In this conversation, Carter and Theora's conversation, he's like, look, we need to talk about this. It's something everyone knows about and nobody talks about. You guys don't even know what it is yet. What are you talking about? Because they're talking about raking. Everybody knows about it. But then we also, we get a little bit more about Theora. We learn that like she and her brother Sean were separated as orphans and adopted separately. And she got the, the good home and he got the rougher home. Theora's like, I don't need help taking care of my brother. And she leaves. And then Carter overhears the Mm -hmm. government dudes. It's like, isn't he one of the most famous reporters in the world? (laughs) Don't they know to like recognize him and not have their like totally corrupt conversation immediately in front of him? Yeah. I mean, you probably shouldn't do that in public anyway, but all right. Right. Uh, These are people that do not give a shit. No. They'll have a very important conversation at the urinals in front of a security (laughs) camera. (laughs) What a strange world this is. Thank you. So then back at the control room. Max is yelling at Murray. He's like, what is the deal with this show? This guy won't stop killing people. And Murray's like, it is a fucking kids show. Relax. It's one of the most popular shows that we have on this network. The kids like killing? How do they know about it? Apparently, he's been going out live saying how awful this missile mic is. He, like, hacked the feed, just went live on the network, and talks about how dangerous this programming is. So, on the one hand, I don't know exactly where I land on this, because Max Hedrum is sort of for some kind of censorship, but these corporate guys are real exploitative assholes. Basically, they're they're poisoning the well. Uh Uh-huh, mm-hmm. If anything, is saying, like, there should be regulations that state it's not okay to poison a well. (laughs) What? Something like that, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's a kid's show, so I get it. it, But it's also, it's hilarious. I mean, come on, so good. And also, like, you totally, back then and now, had such violent stuff. I mean, you know, if you watch... A lot of movies and TV, all you see is like millions of dead bodies being killed. Daily. Yeah. All right. So the one guy, he's like, you know what? Max is right. We got to get rid of Missile Mike. Right. And they talk about how they think the ratings are going to go down now, either because of Max's stand or they were just going to happen anyway. Right. It's not clear. It's, It's getting old. It's fine. But it's fine if we get rid of them because you know what? There's a brand new sport on the scene and we'll just put that on there. It might, Josh, it might surpass the popularity of Scumball. So then they watch some footage that was from a video cube bootleg that's been making the rounds. 
And they're all like, astounding! And it's literally just like a kid doing like a 360 <laughs> on a skateboard. Like, no, like they couldn't even get professional skateboarders for this episode. It's just like some kids that can do ollies. It's great. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Those whoever it was that they got to do skateboarding in this episode, they're better than me. Oh, for they're, sure, way better than you. Just, <laughs> <laughs> they're just not that great. No, they're not uh, pros. Right, and so anyway, they all these boardroom types are losing their mind, and they're like, "Oh my god, there's so much betting that happens. We could own the betting too." Oh shit! Let's get this and make it happen. This is some real Columbusing happening, right? Like they've discovered a thing that already exists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They've decided to take it for their own mm-hmm. and take everything associated with it for their own. Sounds great. Let's do it. Let's colonize raking. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> and then they get a phone call, and it's the head of sports and zigzag guy. Hey, yeah, guess Mr. What? Friday is the head of sports. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Friday. Yeah. Guess what? It's legal now. We got it. It's done. Back at the newsroom. Theora returns to control. And David's still at her her seat. Fucking David. She's like, get out of here. I'm working. Yeah, he's like, and I'm worried about my brother. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, Murray's looking for you and he's ticked off. And she's like, I have more important things to worry about than Murray's temper. My brother's in trouble. And then Max appears on screen and asks if he can help. She's like, my brother's in trouble. And he's like, what What do men do in this situation? <laughs> Aren't right. you supposed to be Carter? Aren't you supposed to be a man? Like, gross. He seems to have less knowledge than Carter. Yeah, he definitely but, does. But he has different insights. Right, computer insights. Uh, or just like new insights. Maybe, perhaps... Mm-hmm. The futuristic mapping of his brain synapses were not as complete as we were led to believe. Mm. Yeah, that's probably it. So whatever they do that. Uh, now we're at, I think what it said was Uzo Bar. Okay, so this is probably my favorite scene so good. of the entire episode. So good. We're entering what's kind of like a loft party <laughs> bar type thing. Yeah. First, we're going down a staircase. <laughs> Who is in that staircase? A juggler, Tressa. <laughs> he's not performing to anyone. He just, he's just hes just standing in the corner doing his juggling arts. He's got a passion for juggling. He's doing the thing where you take some of the bean bags and you put one at a time on your head <laughs> while you keep juggling. Showstopper. So good. I think he's meant to show... <laughs> a, a kind of like this place is crazy like edgy intensity because that's but what... it's he's also like clearly just a children's performer because uh-huh. you know edgy and intense is how i always think of jugglers you know what this so, party was missing what what uh the contortionist that walks spider walks all over the room Oh, that goes backwards, and you're like, what the fuck? How did that happen? <laughs> wow, this party's crazy. <laughs> so you see people getting drinks from what looks like a makeshift bar. Everything about this seems like a loft party that, like, art students living in a warehouse would throw. Yeah. 
except it's also got like a neon sign out front that says Uzo bar. Yeah. Yeah. No, like people aren't getting like beer bottles, not Uzo from what I could see. Yeah. But I'm not in charge of things. No. Anyway, Carter approaches a couple sitting at a table mm-hmm. and a woman who looks to me like a 50% combination of Mary Warrenoff and Tani Katain. Wow. What do you think? Would you say that's accurate? Wait, who's Mary Warrenoff? Mary Warrenoff, you might recognize her from, she's the principal in Rock and Roll High School. She's in Eating Raul. Yeah. Uh-huh. She's yeah. in that um, Suicidal Tendencies video. I mean, she was like a part of the Warhol scene. She was in the performance art group Exploding Plastic Inevitable. They performed with Velvet Underground. So... Okay, okay. so Mary Warrenoff slash Tani Katane, mm-hmm. who is wearing fingerless gloves. I mean... A sign of coolness in the get, 80s, if ever there were one. Get the fuck out. Of course it was. She, yeah. She looked like she could have been in a Total Recall Mars World. She was cool as Yeah. Fuck. And immediately, she has a butterfly knife in hand. Mm-hmm. She's sitting with a guy who I think we can only describe as looking like proto-Morpheus. Oh, 100%. Yes. So we've got a black guy in a leather coat bald head with little circular sunglasses in its decades before the matrix mm-hmm. he's asleep we will later learn that his name is rick okay okay but is it i didn't know if that guy just called him that because of what he was driving or if that was actually his name it's very confusing exactly who rick is because he seems to be an important person with contacts in just generally the underworld yeah but he's also a motorcycle rickshaw driver uh-huh. and carter just rides in the back of the rickshaw while he drives uh-huh. here at the uzo bar he wakes rick up from a nap which he's why is he napping in the middle of his bar? Like, <laughs> he's that cool he doesn't need quiet i guess so like I, he's a hard-working man uh-huh. like get some sleep whenever you possibly can Grace is his bodyguard for today, but she has her moments, is what Rick says. Uh And then Rick explains what raking is, finally. Yeah. (laughs) Carter gets an explanation. We're like three hours into this episode. (laughs) Finally, our main character learns it's just skateboards with a lawnmower engine. Yeah. I love Rick very much. He's great. Carter is like, all right, Rick, let's go take care of this. You're going to show me who's who and what's what. And they're about to get up. And Rick is like, hey, Grace, don't do anybody I wouldn't do. Gone. And then she. But but then Carter says, you're amazing, Grace. So many puns. So many puns. That's what they should have called this show. So so many many puns. puns. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Rick explains that there will be a lot of security and that they will need a guide preferably some kid that knows the score (laughs) that's Uh which is exactly what they find (laughs) yeah Yeah, because now they're in the homeless camp with the rickshaw yeah and And by the way they're going like five miles an hour (laughs) with the motorcycle dragging a rickshaw you could and not taking not taking corners very well. Nope. 
We hear just a snippet of news as they're riding around about the privatization of a global satellite network. Boom. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we that we don't hear that as they're driving around. We hear that in the control room that where Theora is like she gets into Carter's live feed, but before the live feed, that was what was coming in across the wire. Right. So they're chasing this kid with a rake board. So just to understand the homeless camp mm-hmm. or whatever this place is, mm-hmm. we don't actually see homeless people. No. Mm-mm. What we see is like there's junk mm-hmm. as well as like sort of these weird TV towers that yeah. sometimes have stuff on them. Mm-hmm. and Barrels that some, formerly had fires in them. Barrels that have or recently had fires <laughs> and just smoke in general. There's yeah. smoke. It's a smoky place. It's all implied. Yeah. So they lose this kid and Theora's on it because she, there's satellites and cameras everywhere. She knows where they are and where that kid is. So right. she tells them she where can to hack go. into the mainframe and the data bank. Yeah. And they jump out at this kid and they sneak attack him. He's like, how did you guys get me? So Murray walks in when Theora's doing all this and she's like, yo, Carter, give Murray your pitch for this story. They've got a great feature for the show, finally. Finally, Jesus. And he's like, sounds great. Go with it. Yeah, he's like, so it's raking this amazing sport. Could it be bigger than Scumball, though? It's it's a real blood sport, and it exploits kids. Awesome. And Mari's like, okay, run with it. So now we understand Fiora's back, and back in Murray's good graces and everything else. Theora's like, is my brother inside there? Yeah, we think so. Help my brother. That's the mission statement for this whole episode. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe the raker that they sneak a t- snuck a took, snuck a sneak attacked. Wow, what did I just say? I guess yeah. he knew that her brother was in there, but uh-huh. I don't know. Is, I'm confused at how much she can see and know in with her satellites and also, Computers. like, just to be clear, when they capture the rakeboard kid uh-huh. who's trying to get away from them because uh-huh. he sees them, yeah. once they capture him, he's just on their side and on their team <laughs> and, like, he's yeah. there to help them uh-huh. in every way. I just wanted to play hard to get, man. Right. Basically, like, oh, hey, it's great to be. Now we can all hang out. Cool, fun. So Rick is like, I'm going to go check this guy. I'm going to get us into this uh, this rake game, this raking game. Right. Carter hides with his camera uh-huh. and Rick drives up to a security guard that he recognizes. Uh-huh. And he's like, hey, what's up, my dude? Like, do you think you can get me into this game? He's like, oh, for you, no problem. Just go inside. Tell them that you know me. And then <laughs> Rick beats the shit out of him so that... <laughs> And Carter throws, doesn't have to hide. And throws the, him in the trunk of the car and closes it. Like, I hope you die in there, bro. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> this guy was totally just happy to help. Rick's like, I don't go for that. You're not going to help me today. I guess not. <laughs> and we, we're cutting in between this other thing where the mob boss with the bets has this medic for the raking kids and Sean's in their little medic place. And they're like, hey, how you doing, kid? How you feeling? And he's like, I feel great. And he's yeah, all he's sweaty. He's like a bloody mess. <laughs> yeah, super sweaty. Like he's holding his stomach because like his intestines would pop out if he didn't. 
and the private conversation between the two promoter mafia dudes is like can we make this kid uh can we fix him up well we can make him look good but we can't make him be good maybe we'll do a side bet (laughs) yeah he's like all right kid you're gonna do great you're one of raking's finest and they walk away and he's like (laughs) (laughs) so carter and rick sneak in and even though they had thought and been told that like the whole place was deserted, it's not deserted at all. <laughs> it's totally got everyone in it. And they immediately spot and put on camera uh-huh. the big wig characters who have like the warehouse equivalent of box seats. <laughs> they do. They've got like an urn next to them, next to their seats. <laughs> right. So she's it's... got like opera glasses. <laughs> right. And then, okay, so they're not just like punk trash people in the audience now. There are also like high society opera types mm-hmm. that have like fur muffs, or maybe there's like a little lap dog. I don't even know. Like, uh, I did not catch that, but yeah. You're talking about like some very, the creme de la creme de la cream <laughs> of high society. The hoidiest of the tweetiest. Faux show. Yeah. Uh, There's gambling going on, fancy dudes, pellers there. And then we see Sean is a mess, but he drops into the pool and competes. We we got to talk about his coach, who is just a Jeffrey Tambor lookalike contest winner. And he's got like (laughs) a a white tank top on and he's got his own gauntlet. He's like, kid, you doing okay? It's not good enough. You got to fucking win this shit. And he... Is out of control. So we see him there. We saw him before. He's going to come back in a second. It's very unusual to me to see two bald mustachioed men in one show yeah. like this. Like, you can't have more than one. We're going to get I mean, confused. Yeah. I mean, he was like a sort of a fat but also muscular type guy, unlike Jeffrey Tambor. Maybe that's how good Jeffrey Tambor is. That's He's a saying. fucking chameleon. That's what I'm saying. So uh, Max visits the mob guy that's doing the bets. I don't even remember what he did there, but he's like... Oh, but wait, but wait. Before Max appears, Uh the two promoter guys are like, oh, we got the money from Zigzag. Yeah. It's like, well, I guess we can just take off. And one of them is still sitting there as the second guy takes the, like, carved crystal decanter of brandy with him and walks away. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, the first guy's like, ah, damn it. Like, I better I better go chase after that. And that's when Max appears and asks the promoter, I'm looking for a sport with some action and blood. Any idea where I could find that? When TV's talking to me, whoa, 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 what? Right. And also fucking with me. Yeah. Also, like, why am I even listening to a screen? Who cares? Yeah, right? I can walk out of the door and I, I yeah. won't see it anymore. This was 1980s slash 20 minutes into the future version of all social media this isn't real nope yeah so now we're getting some uh raking action we get to see a real game take place and like sean the entire time is holding his side while he's skating i'm sorry raking raking (laughs) it's just they just pass each other and like swipe at each other's stomachs that's the extent occasionally occasionally usually it seems like there's a capture the flag element because at the beginning of a match that fake jeffrey tambor dude drops some sort of cylinder into the bottom of the pool and then the the winner raises it upon completion of the game but it doesn't seem like they're trying to get it at any point 
before that. Well, it's a little bit like Scumball. <laughs> That's what I wanted. Thank you, Josh. You have a filthy <laughs> mind. It's my birthday. Shut up. It's my birthday. I get to be filthy. Yeah, that cylinder is dropped, and then I don't remember ever seeing it again, and it seemed like a weird thing to throw into a skateboarding arena. It gets picked up at the very end. But here's the thing. It's like sometimes a guy would just be on the ground while the other one's taunting him, being like, get up. Yeah. If the point is to get that thing, they're not bothering. No. Was the point to get that thing or to murder the other guy? I'm confused. Long story short, it's not clear what the rules or the point of raking is. But. And we need answers. Yeah, thank you. We need answers on that and Scumball. (laughs) More about Scumball, though. So Carter's got his camera on and. Yeah, he goes live because that's the only way that they're going to be able to get the story. Mm -hmm. Yura's like, that's my brother. Yeah, but then the camera's down immediately. Because you know why? Because the coach came and swiped it out of his hands with his crazy Freddy Krueger glove. He doesn't want cameras there for some reason. But guess what? What? Uh, Carter didn't come here alone. He's still got Rick, and Rick's got his back. So this is like, okay, so I don't know if you're familiar with the author Robert Parker. Nope. So he wrote a number of different series. He wrote a series about a detective named Spencer. Is he who for has, hire? Yeah. It's that, so the sh- that show was based on those books. Dude. So his best buddy and contact in the underworld was a guy named Hawk, who was a black dude who was bald and tough. Did he also have a show? He did. He had a spinoff, A Man Called Hawk. I think that's... Okay, go ahead. Yeah, and that's uh, Avery Brooks. Yeah! In, uh, Cisco, DS9. In one of the Star Trek ones. Yeah, he's uh, awesome. I love him. Yeah, well, to me, he'll always be the character of Hawk because he's perfection. Like, that show was not that great most of the time. He was always great. Mm -hmm. Several of the early books are fucking awesome. Anyway, all of this is to say Uh that that show was popular on TV just before Max Hedrum came out. Uh And I think they were like, we just need Uh, a relationship that's the same thing as that. Oh, does that mean that he's going to be around for more episodes? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember him. But it's like, it's so cool to see this guy who's like, he's simultaneously Hawk from Spencer Mm -hmm. and a pre-Morpheus. Yeah, for sure. And he has some of the best lines that aren't that great, but I loved. In the middle of this whole thing that's going on in the raking arena, he's like, I think we're going to die. And then like something (laughs) happens and he's like, watch this. Which, not funny lines, but to me somehow are hilarious. So like, he's in it, he's got his buddy's back, and we cut to the control room with Theora and Murray and fucking Ben Chevio, who I think is now the head, the head of Network 23. Did he take over for Grossberg? That's what it looks is, like, because he was Grossberg sitting Is Grossberg fully out? Uh, I mean, it He's, looks like it. He uses his, like, top-level classified security login to help them hack back in to see what's going on back at fucking Rakeboard Central. Yeah. And so what we were supposed to see when um, Rick was like, hey, watch this. Like five minutes later, he comes back and he's carrying a TV and he's going to aim it towards the 
raking arena so everyone can see Max Headroom. But if you can see Max Headroom, Max Headroom can see you. Oh, that's right. So this is 20 minutes into the future where Uh the technology Mm -hmm. exists. Like Mm -hmm. this is decades before you had like maybe video teleconferencing actually existed, but only for like billionaires who literally had access to private satellites. Like, that's it, you know, like, so... Those were the days. Those were the days. So Max is able to go live instead of Carter, and he does the report, and he also simultaneously takes down Missile Mike. (laughs) He's got a singular mission. Yeah, he's really... He's very moved by this man who just endlessly shoots a machine gun forever. I respect that. So um, everything's solved and everyone's happy. Oh, wait. Basically, and then we cut to what seems to be just the very next day, possibly. Yeah, possibly. And <laughs> I hated everything about this scene. <laughs> this is so fucking weird. <laughs> uh, Sean and Carter are sitting on the couch watching the news story. And Fiora and Winnie are <laughs> sitting on his bed, but it's a loft. So it's just like a few feet away. And or well, no, it's like it's actually like a giant space, like with huge like, right. high ceilings right. and but like a massive bed... like, arced window and stuff. Right. But the bed is basically on a stage like 10 right. feet away from them. Right. And so He's they're like, cooing over the baby yeah, as and women are wont to do. Right, that's all we're good for. And Sean is like, man, I don't know if I'll ever get used to being on TV. What's it like? Do you get used to it? And Carter's like, I don't know. Do you ever get used to the sound of babies crying? Dude. And then Winnie goes, hey, Fiora, because she's sitting next to Carter now. Right. They switch places. Uh, Sean goes to like hold his baby and yeah. Fiora comes from where she had been holding the baby. She says. Winnie says. <laughs> Fiora, you should settle down and have babies. Baby cries. Shouldn't and, she, Edison? And shouldn't she, Sean, asking both of them. Yeah, men. And we see Carter. He says, this could make something perfect. And then he takes a drink of beer. He says practice could make something perfect. Is that what he says? Mm -hmm. Oh. That's why it was gross. So that's the end. And then at the very end, we have like... Uh, more one-liners from Max. We have room. we have more one-liners from Max, including just like casually racist jokes. Uh, oh, slipped in and casually rapey jokes. It was racist and yes! rapey simultaneously. It was a twofer. Yeah. So I if was, you want to hear that, go ahead and watch that episode. Yeah, I didn't transcribe it, so somebody else. You, I did, if but you I really don't. want that one. Mm, it's it's all yucky. You. It is icky. So, long story short, I loved this show back when it aired, and I think that it probably put some bad stuff inside my head, at, along with whatever else it did. Yeah, we've all been deconstructing ever since. They present us with a complete world. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They have figured out what a bar is, like, how is a bar different 20 minutes in the future? Oh, yeah. And that technology is fucking real. Like we now scan a QR code or whatever it is Mm -hmm. to get a menu and then you beep boop bop on your phone Yeah. and your scotch with ice and blizzard show up. Oreo blizzard, yes. This is like basically a really amazing show with a couple of problematic aspects to it that are interwoven and inextricably linked. So 
if you can handle that, keep taking the ride with us because we're going to keep taking the ride. It is so fun. I'm loving it. Episode two, and it is dope. The future is now. Who cares? Everything's <laughs> who, stupid. Who gives a shit, Josh? Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, we got to get the fuck out of here because that's all the fucking time we have. It was so great seeing you guys. It's only been like two hours. We will see you next time. Uh, good night. Good night.